Well, good morning. Let me get myself pulled up here real quick. All right. Um, hang on. Nope. That's not the first slide, but that's all right. We're flexible, yeah? Cool. All right. So uh, we'll see what happens here in a minute when I get ready to <laughs> pull up our slides. But um, I just want to start off this morning um, by saying that uh, the message this morning uh, is very uh, personal to me. And I hope that through uh, listening to the word of God this morning that you uh, are impacted by God's power this morning. Um, but when I sat down to write um, the sermon, I think I literally wrote the first sentence about eight times. Um, and the reason for that is, to be honest, I really wasn't quite sure um, how I personally could communicate everything I wanted to communicate in my heart today to you. Um, honestly, I feel like today's sermon is more for me than it is for anybody who's going to hear it this morning. And I wasn't for sure how I could communicate that as I sat down from the beginning of the year and I journeyed through 1 John, this entire series that we've been going through, how, just how I, I could explain to you how God has affected me in that process. How, how could I communicate that as I, as it took week after week of diving into the scripture, and as I journeyed in each and every chapter until it was my turn to preach, that God kept like slapping me in the face. He kept telling me to wake up. He told me to listen to him. He convicted to me. But in the same way, he also convicted my heart. He also held my heart. He encouraged me. He gave my heart the life it needed to face some challenging days. And to be honest, I feel like there is so much I could say about how I tore into the pages and the words of the entire book of 1 John in ways that I've never done before. And now, now because of this dedication to digging into 1 John in such a way that I haven't before, my life is literally changed. My heart has grown. So how am I supposed to begin sharing with you this morning all of the things in my heart? But none other than to just be honest and pour my heart and soul and all of my passion into the words that I speak this morning. And I pray that the Lord would use them to transform your life. Now I know that it's February. And to talk about New Year's resolutions might be a little out of place, but we're going to do it. So raise your hand if you made a 2020 New Year's resolution. Now, keep your hand raised if you are still faithfully going after your 2020 resolution. Yeah! Okay, so my 2020 resolution was to be brave. Now... I'm the kind of person, I love, love New Year's resolutions so much that when December rolls around, I start thinking, okay, what is my next year's resolution going to be? I, I'm a nerd about resolutions, I feel like. I legitimately, like, will set reminders on my phone throughout the entire course of the year and a 
will go off and it will say resolution reminder, right? Like I'm checking in and if I've somehow lost sight of the resolution I set back in January, I begin to go, oh, okay, get back on track here, right? So I am someone who thrives under New Year's resolutions. You may not be, that's fine, but I am. So this year, I realized something. And to be honest, not really proud of it. And I've struggled with this for years. And it's also the thing I would hate for people to know about me. It's the thing that holds me back from living in Christ fully. And it's the very thing that I believed for so long was not true about me. I have let fear control me more than I realize I have. And I've come to learn about myself that I'm more fearful than I would like to admit. Now hear me out. I'm not really proud admitting that because I like to think of myself as a brave person. I like to think of myself as a person that will look danger in the eye and come face to face with it and not run from it. I like to consider myself the kind of person that would not back down. I'm brave, right? But in a, in a conversation with an old friend, I realized there's a few things in my life that, although I preach otherwise, and I even advise people otherwise, I subconsciously was doing the exact opposite. As a pastor, that's hard to admit. Because I want the words that I say to reflect the truth in my heart. I subconsciously was choosing fear over love. I was choosing fear over trust. And I was doing the very thing I did not want to do. And here's the most important part. I didn't even realize it. Have you ever seen like a list of like some of the most common fears that people have? The number one fear that people have is public speaking. Okay? never been a problem for me. <laughs> In fact, I love speaking about any given topic. Um, so uh, to me, speaking gives me life. It brings me life. And I love it. So that's not ever been an issue or a fear of mine. Uh, the first time I think I was on the uh, platform in church, I was must have been about four. Um, so I have never been afraid of public speaking. Now there's some other fears that fall in the categories, a fear of spiders, a fear of heights, fear of crowds, none, none of those of which I'm afraid of. And a few other that fall into the top ten are a fear of flying, a fear of holes, a fear of germs. Guys, I'm not afraid of any of those things. But in a little bit, I am going to talk more about my story and my fears but I want to get into 1 John with you this morning. So we're picking back up in chapter 4, 
starting in verse 7. And if you have your Bible with you, you can um, go ahead and move over to 1 John. Um, if you're using the Bible through either our church app or the Bible app, I'm reading out of the ESV this morning. So if you uh, would like to switch to that, you can. You don't have to. But I want to let you know that it's important as I read the verses this morning that we read this entire grouping of verses all together at once so we can get the whole picture. And then we're going to break it apart a little bit this morning. So, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected. In us, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus Christ is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love has perfected us so that we may have confidence. So when the day of judgment comes, because he, as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he cannot see, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So the first observation we make is this, loving God casts out fear because we can trust him no matter what lies ahead. You see, at a first glance, God's love has the ability to eradicate fear, to get rid of it, be gone fear. And I've always wondered, when we're born, do we naturally lend ourselves to trust or to fear. I'm not quite sure what the philosophers would say, but here's my two cents for what it's worth. I have the feeling that we naturally lend ourselves towards trust until we are given a reason not to. In the early years, children trust what they are told. 
Because have you ever heard that concept and idea? Well, that's the naivety of a child. They are unaware that things can hurt them. They don't understand that the stove is hot and therefore will hurt them if you touch it. Until either they A, experience it for themselves, or B, they heed the warning of a person that cares about them and their life. Whether it is a caregiver, a parent, and they trust that person's word. See, in 1 John, the whole book, the people are addressed with the endearing phrase as children of God. So in the same way, we, like a child, has no fear because they trust their parent. We too must trust our heavenly parent. Now, I was studying this group of verses. I was fascinated because there's a lot of like love God and we love us and like it kind of goes back and forth and so I wanted to just kind of pull apart the relationship of God's love and knowing God's love and William Barclay puts it as this love has a double relationship to God it is only by knowing God that we learn to love and it is only by loving that we learn to know God. It is when God dwells within our heart that we learn to love. And when we love, we become closer and closer to God. Love comes from God. And love leads to God. Love comes from God. And love leads to God. So here's the deal. We must understand what happens when we love others. Because when we begin to know the love of God, we can therefore then love others. Now verse 17 reminds us that God's desire is for love to be perfected in our lives. Now, if you look at the original language, you might be familiar with this idea of agape, is the word, kind of love. A love that is unconditional, a love that is not transactional in nature, and is not situational. Now, if you watch the Super Bowl, which some of you noticed, there was a commercial, actually, that described the various definitions of love in the Greek language. And I was particularly intrigued about this commercial as a pastor. So I was very interested. I was like, shh, to the people. I was like, hey, I'm trying to watch this. <laughs> now, here's where I think that commercial fell short. Because when they begin to talk about describing what an agape kind of love was, they didn't mention that an agape kind of love is only made possible through God himself. Other than that, they did a pretty good job, I think, describing the different kinds of love. <laughs> but a really good way to think about the idea of being perfected in love is to think about this. We are made complete in God's love. So if we reread 1 John 4, 18, we can read it like this. It's up on the screen. There is no fear in love, but complete love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. 
The one who fears is not made complete in love. We are made complete when we experience the perfected love of God. We do not have to be afraid. We do not have to live in fear. Verse 18 tells us that fear has to do with punishment. Now the word used here in the language isn't just the kind of punishment you think of that like when a kid lies and there's a punishment that follows because they didn't tell the truth. It's deeper than this. Think of the word punishment. Some other words that can be described here are um, like penalty, retribution, a sentence, right? There's a price that needs to be paid. There's an exchange. There's a consequence to the action. That's what this kind of idea of punishment is. Now fear is what we experience when the consequence of living in the absence of God's love occurs. I'm going to say that one more time. Fear is what we experience when the consequence of living in the absence of God's love occurs. Think about it. When we lie, we're not being loving. We therefore are paying the price of a broken relationship because trust was broken. It means that in the future, we may then experience fear of our word not being trusted. Remember the boy who cried wolf? We are never nearer to God than when we love. Love makes us kin to God. Love makes us family. Human love, the things that we feel, all those emotions that come up in us, whether they are an intentional choice when we choose to love or whether they are coming out of the overflowing and the abundance of what we feel in our hearts, love, human love is a response to divine love. But, as verse 18 reminds us, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Ouch. Whoever fears has not been made perfected in love. So, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of my life ending before I'm ready. I'm afraid I could get taken <clears throat> from the ones that I love. I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of being told no. I'm afraid that things may not go my way in the way that I expectantly hope them to. And I'm afraid of failure. And out of that list that I just shared with you, the only one that I truly was conscious of until up a few months ago was the fact that I was afraid of the dark. I never thought that I was the person who had fears in my life that ultimately would end up controlling me. And I'm serious about that. I wholeheartedly believed I was the person who was brave. 
I had fears, but I didn't let them control me. I was like Esther, who looked fear and death in the face and chose to be obedient anyways. But I'm not at all close to that. See, I thought I was an Esther. I thought I was brave. I thought I could face the things that scared the, the bejeebies out of me. Wasn't that me? Like, wasn't I the girl? Wasn't I the person who could look at something and not let it deter me from being obedient or deter me from taking a step or to look at the things that I'm completely terrified of and do it anyways? Just over four months ago, I faced probably to date the most humbling and fear-filled situation in my life. I faced one of my greatest fears, and I didn't even know it. It was 5 o'clock sharp, September 28th. My pregnant self woke up to my water breaking. I made my way to the hospital, and I don't really know what I expected birth to be like. But let me tell you, I didn't experience what I thought I would. I was in incredible pain, and I felt emotionally broke. The whole process of checking into the women's pavilion was blurred by the immense pain I was experiencing. By the time I arrived at the hospital, it was too late for any kind of epidural or pain relievers. And my midwife thought that literally my son Wesson was going to be born within minutes. I was rushed to the delivery room and I felt a little bit like as everything was a blur that I was like in a movie because I remember being like rolled down the hallway and into the elevator up to the delivery floor and pushed into the delivery room and in that moment I pushed and I pushed and I pushed and I thought any minute my whole world was going to change but I pushed and I pushed and nothing and with incredible pain, I fought the abnormal position that my son was in at birth. And his position was not ideal. And they continued to monitor his heart rate to assure that Weston was safe, to make sure that they could take necessary measures if a C-section was necessary if his heart rate dropped. That morning I was frustrated. It did not go how I planned. This was not supposed to be happening today. I had to cancel two ministry meetings. I had to face the expectation that this was not going how I anticipated. I didn't feel ready. For two hours and 45 minutes, I was told you're getting closer you're getting closer, but let me tell you something, I wasn't. I laid on that bed facing a mental battle I've never experienced before in my entire life. And with every push, and there was no progress due to his position, I felt like I was beginning to lose my spirit. I felt incredible, unbearable pain that I did not know existed. And I kept saying, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. I want to give up. I want to give up. When will this be over? I never knew pain like this before. And they said, too late. No, you cannot have an epidural. I had no choice but to deliver this baby naturally. But the nurses, they were gracious. They were patient. They were strong. But I wasn't. And ultimately, I was afraid. 
What if I couldn't do this? What if I didn't have it in me to bring my son into this world? What if I failed? I don't even know what that looked like for me in that moment, but what if I failed? I felt exhausted. I did not feel strong enough to do this. I yelled, I cried, I felt so defeated. And I didn't know anything in the world that Ashley Marie Forsberg could not do. And for the first time in my life, I felt weak. And I felt helpless. I could not do this. And I was afraid of failure. The nurses assured me I could, and they told me to keep pushing. And when I said I wanted to give up, they kept telling me I could do this and that I was strong. And when I felt there was no way I could get them to come out, they looked at me and they said, you can do this. Are you ready for another push? And I didn't believe them. And at one point, I looked over. And instead of saying, I don't think I can do this, I let my fear of failing fill me. And I said, I can't do this. I give up. In that moment, that's when I told, was told this. Ashley, do you want to have this baby? You don't have a choice. You have to keep going. And you can do this. Keep pushing. You gotta dig deep. And in that moment, I chose to fight the urge to call May Day. And in the last few moments, I had to choose to dig deep. And in that moment, I began flashing every single time God was faithful in my life through my mind. And I began to purposely flood my mind with the words, God's got you. He loves you. God's got you. He loves you. And I didn't believe it, but I kept saying it because I surely thought if I could say it enough times, maybe my heart would believe that God truly loved me and that he got me. And at some point, I had to look my greatest fear of failure in the face and replace that fear with God's love. And when I look back on September 28th, I don't just see that day as the day that my son was born. I see that day as a day where I looked one of my greatest fears in the face and I chose to let love fill me. Because fearless love, friends, is emboldening. It's empowering. It's life-changing. And if you can sort out the relationship between trust and love in your life, it is going to change you. I look back at that moment in my life, and I share with you this morning such a vulnerable story of mine because, you, because if I can do one of the most vulnerable things and in and, and the moment where I felt stripped down to complete nothingness, when I realized I really wasn't the brave, bold person that I believed that I was at all times, and I was able to look at my fear of failure right in the face, and somehow I did it anyways by the grace and the love of God, then I can do anything.
When I replace my fear with love and trust my Heavenly Father, I can take out the trash when it's dark. And I know that sounds dumb. But the fear of the darkness that I have is very real to me. And when I replace my fear with the complete love of God, it means that I can have the conversations that I'm terrified to have. I can chase after God's purpose in my life with tenacity. And I can sink deep into God's love and let it change me. I can love because he first loved me. We can choose to love anyways, despite of the fear we face. Someone here this morning needs to hear that. We can choose to love anyways, despite of the fear that we face. And we know that this is true because the more you learn to know God's love, the more you realize that in your weakest moments, God's love can fill you. It can be your motivation. It is your truth. To know that you are known by God, loved by God, and can reflect that divine love to all of humanity. When love comes, fear goes. Fear is the characteristic emotion of someone who expects a punishment. But once we know that God is love, fear is swallowed up by that love. If God loves us, we are bound to love others. And our love for others is proof of God's love. We are capable of an agape kind of love because it was God himself who initially loved us. I recently heard a phrase that put the idea of love in a new perspective for me. Now songs are very powerful for me. And in this song called Out of the Hiding by Stephanie Gretzinger, there's a portion of the lyrics and they read this. Because I loved you. This is I referring to God. Because I loved you before you knew it was love. And I saw it all. Still I chose the cross. And you were the one I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. We didn't know what love was until you, God. So when I sat down this week and I revisited the theme of our series in 1 John, The Father's Heart is Love, and this week's title, again, that Craig offered to us, and it was Fearless Love, I kind of just laughed to myself. Because the Lord knew I needed to spend some time exploring fearless love. Being convicted in order for me to be made perfect and to be made complete in God's love. I needed to begin to face the fears in my life. The things that I don't want to admit. Our worship band is going to come this morning as we begin to wrap up. And this morning I want to challenge you to live fearlessly. To live in love. Because there is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. This morning, you can replace fear with love. Lean into God. Become a student of his love. Seek out 
to understand it, to be so familiar with it that the exchange of replacing fear with love becomes second nature until it becomes a habit and until you know that the love of God so radically is powerful and that verse 21 becomes a reality. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Is that true of you? Because if it's not, I want you to know that whatever you're afraid of can be swallowed up by God's love. We love because he first loved us. Now, I'm not very good at saying and speaking Greek, um, but I can read it. And so when I was digging into verse 19, one way to understand we love because he first loved us is to read it as such, not to read it as we love because he first loved us, but rather to understand it as because he loves us, we can love. It starts with receiving the love of God in your own life, becoming a student of that love. And I'm not saying it's easy, because I know it's not. But this morning, you can choose to replace any fear with love. We're going to pray together this morning, and as we are praying, we're going to prepare for our tithes and offerings as well. Um, let's pray together this morning. God, there are moments in which we deeply need to be reminded that love casts out, it eradicates, it gets rid of all the fear in our life. And sometimes our fear feels much, much, much larger than our belief that you love us. But God, would you meet us in those moments when we're weak? Would you remind us that as a student of your love, we can do the things that we are afraid of. And we can let fearless love inhabit our hearts. This morning, Lord, shape us. Give us the hope, the joy to cling to the love of God. We ask this in your precious name.